helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Why is it that tyrants so frequently seem to target religion? I suppose it's because they don't like to believe there's someone more powerful than they are. Our own Declaration of Independence states that they are, they being us, are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Yet today people with religious beliefs have been pushed out of schools, government programs, and become the target of attacks by federal law enforcement. While they're at it, tyrants who don't like to be told no also go after your right to defend yourself. I guess the lack of freedom to believe as you want has to be supported by the lack of freedom to defend your rights. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution, where we teach the rising generation to be free, where we teach people to, to know when their rights are being violated and to defend and assert them. And I am so glad that you joined me today. You know, we're talking about, we're going to start off talking about freedom of religion. And I hear a lot of interesting things. I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's so important. It was the first freedom protected by the Constitution and the Bill of, or by the Bill of Rights. And well, that's not exactly true. I mean, yes, it was the first of the uh, proposed amendments to be adopted. It was not the first amendment to be proposed. There's actually, I think 17 came out of the House, 12 of them came out of the Senate, and were sent to the states, of which 10 were ratified um, by 1790, and uh, one more was ratified in 1992. So, but it, it's, it's an important to understand the, the, the freedom of religion, the freedom of, to believe, the freedom of conscience is a cornerstone to, well, freedom, to, to, to liberty. And uh, that's been under attack. It's been under attack for many years. I mean, go all the way back to uh, when I was in school, um, back you know, when dinosaurs were on the earth. And we, we would, you know, they, they kept trying to say, you're not allowed to pray in school. And uh, we were told that, um, well, you know, you, you, can't, you can't bring a Bible to school. You couldn't do a book report on something for the Bible. Now, a lot of that has ebbed and flowed as the different justices have gone in and out of the courts and and come up with their own opinions and all that. But uh, as a Christian myself, as a disciple of Christ, I see these attacks and, um, well, I wanted to put some of them together and talk with you, talk to you about them today. Now, you could be, excuse, you could understand if, if, you didn't think there were uh, um, an, an epidemic of, uh, say, religious-based attacks, especially attacks against against Christians, because it's not really covered in the news when they do happen. I found this report. It was a, an analysis issued by the Family Research, Research Council. Um, yes, they're a Christian organization. And, um, well, I'll put a link to it in, in the show notes, but let me, let me just describe what they're seeing in the summary. Uh, it reads, over the past several years, Family Research Council has been tracking acts of hostility against churches in the United States. Between January 2018 and November 2023, at least 915 acts of hostility occurred. 
The types of acts include vandalism, arson, gun-related incidents, bomb threats, and more. In 2023, Family Research Council identified 436 incidents, more than double the number identified in 2022, and more than eight times the number identified in 2018. These findings suggest that hostility against U.S. churches is not only on the rise, but also accelerating. Acts of hostility against churches are destructive and have the potential to intimidate a religious community. Therefore, they deserve to be condemned. So you, you get you get the overview. I, I took a look through this. It's it's a it's a really long it's a, it's, it's a long document. It's not uh, a, a quick thing, but there were some point t- takeaways I, I want to identify for you. Um, reading from the report, he said uh, most of the incidents identified were acts of violence from. 2018, January 2018 to November 2023, there were at least 709 occurrences of vandalism, 135 arson attacks or attempts, 22 gun-related incidents, 32 bomb threats, and 61 other incidents, which are assault, threats, interrupting the service. Uh, In 39 cases, multiple types of hostility occurred, meaning uh, like vandalism and, and arson. So there's a, they happen in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. States with higher populations tend to report a greater number of incidents. California had the most incidents with 91. Texas had 62. New York had 58. Florida had 47. Delaware, New Hampshire, and Vermont had the fewest of incidents with one apiece. So uh, you go through, there's some interesting graphs that show, yes, it, there's an acceleration, apparently, at least over the last few years. If you look at just the last few years, of um, uh, violence against against churches, and uh, they even have a nice little map, color coded map uh, that that shows it, it's um, it shows where the most incidents are, and and you can take a look at that if you go in. But here's what's interesting: um, as the uh, as I quoted before, the vast majority of the incidents are vandalism, three hundred and fifteen, followed by arson at seventy five. And then they have other. That's the other part we were talking about. They were even, you know, like I said, bomb threats, gun-related threats. These are, atta- are threats against and attacks against churches. Now, here's the point I want you to consider. Um, attacks against uh, uh, mosques, I believe, are fairly well reported. I'm not sure, right? I'm, I'm um, you know, I don't have proof positive, but it seems like every time there's a, uh, an, an attack in a, in a so-called minority community uh, that uh, it, it makes national news. Now, what we haven't seen are the is much information about these attacks on churches. For example, with everybody com- you know uh, screaming for uh, you know, or I should say, not everybody with the gun uh, the, the the gun confiscators screaming for for more restrictions on your right to keep and bear arms. Um, there were actually 10 gun-related incidents at churches in 2023. Now, for the most part, no one was hurt, which is a good thing. For example, in March, four individuals shot up the Clearview Mennonite Church of Versailles, Missouri. Now, no one was in the church at the time, but the church building suffered damages. Uh, there have even been bomb threats, and thankfully, many of them false bomb threats. Uh, for example, in August of last year, a man uh, called a suicide hotline claiming he put two back, back, backpacks with pipe bombs inside the Quinn Chapel AME Church of Forest Park, Ohio. And he said the, the bombs would detonate in 45 minutes. Well, thankfully, it was false. There were no, there, there were no actual bombs. But 
I have to wonder, um, with these attacks against churches, um, why aren't people worried about talking about the 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 uh, the, the attacks against churches? By the way, I, if memory serves, we saw the same thing around synagogues, especially in the New York City and, and surrounding area. Now, I wonder, could some of this be uh, enhanced by the policies of the current administration? Uh, for example, uh, the FBI under Biden uh, targeted traditional Catholic parishes as potential domestic violent extremists. In fact, in a memo leaked by the, from the Bureau's uh, Richmond, Virginia office, the, the FBI targeted what they refer to as radical traditionalist Catholics as racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists. Now, the FBI later rescinded the memo and they said, oh, no, it was just this, this one scenario. But, um, yeah, there's, um, there are documents that say, no, this was not the the work of a single office that this was um a lot more widespread than that uh we see pro-lifers being targeted for uh prayer uh there were 22 pro-life activists uh targeted in 2022 um for basically for demonstrating for peacefully demonstrating outside of of pro-life centers in fact one happened uh, a group were convicted in federal court and i've been trying to get uh, someone from that organization to come join me and talk about what was going on but we see scenarios where uh and i'm sorry i'm drawing a blank on the guy's name um he defended his son from an aggressive pro-abortion activist uh he was charged uh with or i guess there was a complaint filed in state court the state court threw it out, uh, but they went to the federal court that arrested him. Uh, didn't just arrest him. I mean, they sent a tactical team, people in, in bulletproof vests and long and long guns, rifles, for, to this man's home for a misdemeanor of demonstrating outside of a abortion clinic because of a illegal law, the the Face Act, the idea that. Um, your right to peaceably assemble can be infringed upon simply because the organization that you're protesting happens to be uh, an abortion center. Um, we have evidence that uh, Biden's Department of Homeland Security have been uh, running smear campaign against many dissident groups, including Christian churches, Christian organizations, um, that uh, according to a report from Dan Schneider, Vice President of the Media Research Center's Free Speech America. Um, the DHS fundled $40 million in your money, taxpayer money, away from actual anti-terrorism programs into what was known as the Targeted Violence and Terrorism Prevention Grant Program, which basically was used to target and investigate um, Christian organizations, including the Christian Broadcasting Network uh, that was actually founded by Pat Robertson back in the 1960s. And then lately, uh, uh, Biden, um, I guess, was uh, dismantled the rule, a conscience rule that was put in place under Trump in 2019 that would protect healthcare workers from being discriminated against for not violating their moral convictions. So in other words, if, if they were asked to perform procedures that violated their moral convictions, right? And 
they used an example of abortion, but it didn't say, uh, it, it wasn't limited to abortion. It wasn't even limited to a, a Christian morals. If if you were a healthcare worker and you were asked to do something that violated your morals, um, the healthcare service was not supposed to be able to attack you for it. And the Biden administration apparently was, has uh, recently uh, taken that apart, uh, meaning that doctors, nurses, and hospitals that uh, object to certain religious, uh, I should say, for religious or moral reasons to provide certain forms of treatment, uh, including, by the way, not just abortions, maybe assisted suicide, maybe transgender uh, 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 surgeries or, or treatments, um, they are now, instead of being protected by health and human services, they're being attacked by health and human services. And, 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 and there's actually a bit more, but I want to hold that for after the break. Before that, consider this little nugget. As I've already mentioned, um, the the FBI and, and federal law enforcement has been used to target Christians, whether it's, you know, uh, traditionalist Roman Catholics, whether it's pro-life and pro-life organizations. Um, when, uh, when the Supreme Court opined that government cannot force Americans or private businesses to provide services that violate their religious belief, Biden attacked the court because he says he, he doesn't believe that you have a right to an individual belief. He said the state should be able to force you to violate your religious beliefs in support of their agenda. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. What good is if you, how can you claim you have freedom of religion if the state gets to say whether or not you can practice? That religion. Now again, I agree to the, the the only restrictions I agree to on religion are that they not violate the rights of others, right? So before someone comes up and talks about you know Satanist sacrifices or whatnot, you cannot use your right to freedom of religion to uh, to infringe on the right of somebody else. The a, a bona fide official right. You can't you know th this whole idea about you know human sacrifice. No. You're depriving someone of their life without due process of law. That that's not that, and that's true, by the way, of any right. Right, your right to freedom of speech doesn't mean you can lie in court about somebody or that you can defame them publicly without consequences. But it does appear that there are uh, attacks against Christians, against uh, religious organizations, and that. Um, not only in many cases are they not being reported in in national media or in in, in a lot of media, it appears that also the uh, the federal government is not only not protecting these people, but it's actually going after them. I admit a lot of the cases I see when they talk about freedom of religion, they're talking about a First Amendment case that really isn't a First Amendment case, and I point that out frequently. But it certainly does bring to mind a question. Do we have freedom of religion if the government gets to go after those they don't like? And if the government gets to refuse to protect the rights of groups they disagree with? That, to me, ladies and gentlemen, is a very, very dangerous place to be. Not so much, I have to take a break. I got an interesting story for you coming up out of the, after the break, but you have to hold on for that. 
before I go, though, I, please do check out the website, constitutionstudy.com. I've been working on some new things there. I've got some new ideas, and I, I hope you'll let me know if you find them interesting or not. Um, end of the month, or I should say end of March, I'm planning on doing a uh, an online uh, boot camp. You know, I talk about my I talk about my boot camp uh, that I that I had the boot camp you go through to join the Patriots program. I'm gonna do one of them via Zoom. So regardless of where you are in the country, uh, you'll be able to join in. It'll be the same basic content, but we'll have a chance for more Q and A and whatnot. And I've been thinking about some other things about how I can be more open and engaged with you and others. So if you have any ideas, please let me know. Go to the website, constitutionstudy.com, click the Ask a Question button and say, hey, have you, would you consider doing something like this? I love the interaction. I love being involved with people. Now, I don't know about you, but I work a lot of hours and, you know, I, I, get, I get running around and well, the last thing I need is to not be able to get to sleep at night. So if, if I'm having a night where I'm having a hard time getting to sleep, now I used to reach for things like melatonin and, and other chemicals, but I find out they, they kind of disrupt my system a bit more. I find I become dependent on those, and I didn't like that. Well, our friends at the Wellness Company have a great solution. It's called Restful Sleep. It uses natural ingredients to calm your mind and reduce stress so you can get a better night's sleep without hormones, without chemicals. Now, it is backed by documented research. It is vetted by the chief medical board of the wellness company. It's even manufactured right here in the good old U.S. of A. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you get 25% off of products and off your first month of membership to the wellness company. Find out more at americaoutloud.shop. So please, go to the wellness company, check out their, their, their products. Make sure you go to americaoutloud.shop to find out how you can save 25% off of your products and off of your first month of membership at The Wellness Company. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. World class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. 
Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today we're talking about the unfreedom unfreedom of religion, a little bit of unfreedom of self-defense, but I started off with this idea of unfreedom of religion because I've seen religion being under attack in so many places uh, uh, over the last several years. But I also tell you that um, it's important to not simply look at the headline to go beyond because there's more to the story. And I'm going to give you an example uh, right now. Now, I'm a member at a, a small church out where I live. I actually preach there part-time. And we, our church has a, a security team, right? Just a group of guys that have uh, spent some time thinking about the church security. How do we make sure that the people are safe? How do we, you know, how would we react to different situations? What do we consider here and there? And I think that's actually an important thing to do, right? You know, it's, it's uh, to be prepared. You know, to be consider things ahead of time rather than waiting for, you know, odds are nothing that bad is going to happen, but I would rather be prepared if it does. So when I heard a, a uh, I was listening to a podcast and I heard someone ask a question about a piece of legislation being, being introduced that would prevent churches from um, having these types of, of groups or severely limiting them. It, it caught my attention. And I listened to the program and, and I found out what they were talking about is a bill uh, called the, uh, what do they call this thing? The Preventing Private Paramilitary Activity Act of 2024. It's H.R. 6981. Now, I went to the to the thing and it this, by the way, this has nothing to do with churches. At least that's not what it, as it sits right now, it's not dealing with churches. But what it does deal with is, uh, well, let me read it to you. So it, it, it adds a chapter to Title 18. Title 18 is the criminal part of the U.S. Code, meaning they're going to make it a crime. And uh, they talk about the thing, but um, according to this law, it says, uh, it shall be unlawful to knowingly in a circumstance described in subsection B, while acting as part of or on behalf of a private paramilitary organization and armed with a firearm, explosive, or incendiary device or other dangerous weapon to publicly patrol, drill, or engage in techniques capable of causing bodily injury or death. Now, it goes on to talk about, you know, interfering with government proceedings or uh, intimidating people or, or things like that. But I want to start with that one. So, first of all, how do you define a private paramilitary organization? The reason I ask that question is, is really important because remember the Second Amendment, right? Which says a well-regulated militia is not a militia, a quote-unquote paramilitary organization. It's not part of the 
regular military. It's not part of the Army or the Navy. So it isn't technically a paramilitary. So if we need a well-regulated militia, by the way, how are you supposed to end up with a militia that is well-regulated if they do not drill, if they do not uh, train in, in the techniques of self-defense? See, this, this we're getting into a little bit of, uh, of nasty stuff. But again, the uh, so we're talking about a paramilitary organization which, again, could easily be described as, say, a church security group. Or if you're part of a private organization, a private security group. If you have, you know, if you're because of, of where your group meets or what's going on, you wish to have a, um, a group of members that uh, will, are there on the spot to help to deal with situations. Well, if, if, if you want them to be armed, because they may have to deal with somebody who's violent. Well, you can't actually go out and patrol. You can't drill. Now, they do say publicly patrol, drill, or engage. Well, guess what? If I go down to a, a, a range with my friends and, and the, the other, others in this group to drill with our weapons, is that being done publicly? What if it's not a public range? What if it's a private range? But notice what you, there's, there's that going on here. But to me, there's a more fundamental problem. See, what they're saying is you don't have the right to assemble, peaceably assemble, and prepare to defend yourself. That's what they're saying here. Now, I agree. You know, uh, should a, a, a group a, of, of armed people um, interfere with or interrupt government operations. Well, it depends. Are those government operations constitutional or not? If a if law enforcement is attempting to enter private property without a warrant, then yeah, they should be interfered with. It doesn't matter if it's a government operation. Should they intimidate other people? No. But the problem is, if I wander around with a firearm, does someone feel intimidated? Why should my right to keep and bear arms be subject to another person's mostly irrational fear? This is just another attempt to disarm the people. And there's a, a to me, a truly sinister aspect to this. See, the problem is, if you cannot defend yourself, if you go to a, a state like California or New York, where you're not allowed to defend yourself, if you go to a city, that passes rules, that prevents you from having the tools to defend yourself, then you're dependent on government to protect you. If you decide as a group, you know what, we're going to get together. What happened at our church, by the way, is uh, there was a an, uh, an attack on a church in Tennessee. An armed gunman uh, entered a church on Sunday. This, of course, generated quite a lot of interest in local news. And the members of our church said, we probably should do something. How about we sit down and, and, and think about it and discuss it? And how would we go about defending ourselves? Not just in the extremely rare uh, situation of a, an, an armed attack, but in the myriad of other ways that we may need to um, consider the safety and security of our fellow congregants. See, this is just another way of the government saying, we don't want a challenger. 
We don't want someone to, to, to interfere with our process. And notice they say, to, you know, they talk about to drill or engage in techniques capable of causing bodily injury or death. Well, pretty much any self-defense technique you would consider has the possibility of causing bodily injury or death. You take a, 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 class, a class in, say, a karate or krav maga or, or jujitsu, you have the possibility of causing bodily injury and even death. They don't want us to be able to defend ourselves. And they're subtly, it's like, well, we don't want people that will stand, that stand up and, and, and push back. Now, there's a little bit more to this and, and, and all that, but here's what I want you to consider. If you believe that you are the first line of defense for you, your family, and your neighbors, then you should be contacting your member of the house and say, what the heck is this? Actually, what you should be saying is, hey, I heard about H.R. 6981. What is your position on that and why? And if you don't like the answer, give them a piece of your mind. They're your representatives. You're not their servants. They are yours. Contact them. Let them know. And by the way, um, the best things you can do, as I understand it, the best thing you can do is to show up at their office. You don't have to go to D.C. Every one of the members of the House have multiple offices in their district. Find one, show up, ask the question. Send them a letter. If you can't send them a letter, send them an email. The worst thing to do is to get one of those form emails. You know, you go to a website says, hey, just, just put in your name and address, and we will send for you to the office. That has the least impact. From what I've been told in my discussion with, member, uh, with representatives. By the way, this would also be a pretty good idea to reach out to your state legislatures and say, hey, this is a reason why we have to be able to tell the federal government we didn't authorize you to take away our right to defend ourselves. Just because they, they use a scary word like paramilitary, it's like the word militia. A lot of people are, are afraid of that. That word's been turned into a, 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 a scary word. No, it's, it's a group of people prepared to defend themselves. They want to be well-regulated, meaning they want to drill. They want to be prepared to actually effectively defend themselves, their families, and their neighbors. This is, a, is, is another attempt to take this away from the American people. Now let's take a look at, an, at another example, this time not from the federal government. This is coming out of, uh, of New Jersey. Um, there's, a, uh, uh, there's a report, at first I guess it came out of High Power Ordinance, um, that there's a, a Somerville strip mall that is going to have a gun store in it. Yay! Apparently not everybody's happy. Now, according to the Somerville mayor, the store will be about a quarter mile away from an elementary school and meets all the current zoning laws. Therefore, they, the, 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 the town has no legal justification to prevent the store from opening. That hasn't stopped a, one local resident from filing a lawsuit because she's concerned that, um, uh, well, one as one board member said, having a gun store so close could, to the school could have an emotional impact on students and staff. Now, I want you to consider this just for a minute. Um, 
should I be able to tell a private owner, you cannot have that store here, even though you've met all the local laws, you're not violating any, any law, but I'm concerned that someone might have an emotional reaction to it. Now, listen, I could, there are several stores that, uh, you know, if they were right next door, I would think that might be inappropriate. But if there's no law in place saying you can't do that, see, what you have here is you have a case of, of hoplophobia, the irrational fear of firearms. Remember, you're dealing with a gun store. This is not a guy in the street selling guns. This is a gun store. They are a federally licensed, federal firearms licensee. They've gone through numerous background checks. They keep all sorts of records. Now, if you find out they're breaking the law, that's something else. That's not what's happening here. The Somerville Board of Education wants this school, wants this store not to be open because they're afraid someone might feel bad. They might have an, have an emotional impact. You know what? I have an emotional impact on the attempt to prevent a law by what apparently is a law abiding citizen from doing their, from doing what they want. They've followed the law, they've gone through all the hoops, and still you don't want them there simply because it's a gun. I wonder how many people in Somerville will have an emotional impact. But the emotional impact of having a gun store in town would be, ooh, I'm happy. I'm glad. A place I can buy a gun, maybe some ammunition. How many people are going to have an emotional impact from actually being able to have a gun store nearby? See, we always think about the, the we, tend, we tend to be focused, pushed to focus on, on one aspect. We never consider the rest, of the, the rest of the story. What about the emotional impact on the person, the owner, who's gone through, trust me, trying to get a, a, uh, an FFL for a location is not easy. It is expensive. It takes time. I'm sure doing it in New Jersey is not easy either. There's been a lot of paperwork, a lot of time, probably a lot of lawyers involved. But you hear, now you have, oh, well, we don't, we don't like that in, in our town. Well, then why didn't you pass a law? Why didn't you pass a law that said, you know, and again, this, the, the, the store is a, 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 it's a quarter mile away. Now, you may think, well, it should be more than a quarter mile away. Well, the problem with that is how many places in the town are there that's not a quarter of a mile from a school? It's this idea of, of we're going to take a right that you have and we're going to restrict it because we don't like the fact that you exercise that right. Whether that right be your right to to conscience and to believe the way you believe, the right to uh, collectively to gather to help protect yourselves and your neighbors, or simply to uh, own a, a, a store that sen- that sells a legal product. Granted, it's 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 fairly well regulated, but it's a legal product. But we don't want that, as if a gun store is the equivalent of. Um, a peep show, a porn store. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're trying to treat this gun store like it's a porn store. How dare you have this near children? Aren't the children the ones we want to protect? 
I'll get, I've got some information that may shed some more light on that. But again, I have to take a break before I go. What I would like you to do, though, is, you know, I head to AmericaOutloud.news pretty much every day. I've got my list of news feeds, and I check them every night. And I go there because I get a lot of good information. I get news and ideas from a lot of different places and a lot of different points of view. It makes you think of things maybe differently than I have before. So I'm going to ask you to join me. Head to AmericaOutloud.news every day. But then I'm going to ask you to do something. So when you find that story, that article that, that says something new, or maybe it's a podcast or a video that explains something better than you ever have before, well then, do me a favor and uh, share that information. Take, that, take all that, the, the stories and what and share them. Share them with friends, share them with family, share them online. See, it's the act of sharing that takes the, the liberty you have in, in freedom of, of, of press and allows you to enjoy and secure the blessings of that liberty. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to americaoutloud.shop. That's americaoutloud.shop and use coupon code OUTLOUD. Use Cofix RX because it works. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high stress on the go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation, and weight. These are all real-world problems that 87% of Americans are struggling with. Fight back with Heal Right. Heal Right is a bar you eat, but it's food as medicine that addresses the nutritional root cause of health issues in just eight weeks. Take action today. Visit HealRight.com slash OutLoud or AmericaOutloud.shop and use the code OutLoud for 20% off. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study, and today we're talking about unfreedom of religion. Well, I spent a lot about that, but I'm kind of transitioning into uh, the ability to protect yourself. 
you know, the, the question came up about, uh, you know, we, we were talking about the attacks on religious organizations, both within and without of the government. Um, we talked about the ability to defend ourselves and the work of governments to prevent us from defending ourselves, including against a government that's infringing on our rights. So let me go a little bit farther, because we were talking when we left about a uh, um, uh, school board that was worried about a gun store being near a school, actually being a quarter mile away from the school. But see, here's the problem with a lot of this gun control. See, there's an old saying, before you take away a marker, find out why it was there. Before you move a fence line, a fence post, find out why it was there. And that's a very good uh, 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 a very good standard. It's something we should follow. So why do we have a right to protect ourselves? What is the impact of making guns less available to law-abiding citizens? Because, again, the assumption that a law is going to keep guns out of the hands of criminals, it just doesn't make any sense. See, when you... Let me see if I can put it another way. What is the impact of preventing people from having guns. Well, the assumption that's made is there will be less gun violence because people won't have as many guns. Well, again, that doesn't make a lot of sense because uh, criminals aren't following the laws to get the guns most of the time anyway. So I'm sure there will be some small impact, but it's, you know that's, uh, that's not the big fish. Of course, the other impact that people don't talk about is if people don't have guns to defend themselves, then they can't defend themselves. I went to a site called the uh, CrimeResearch.org. Um, it, it's uh, was the Crime Research Center. It's uh, uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name, um, but he does a lot of interesting research, uh, and uh, they have a a they have an article. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's titled "Defensive Gun Uses by People Legally Carrying Guns: Thirty Cases During November of 2023." Now, I want you to think about that for just a second. Remember that number, 30 cases during November of 2023 that at least got enough notice for uh, this to be included in, in the case. Now, why do I bring that, that, that number up? Because whether it's the government saying, well, you know, the last, we don't want you to uh, uh, have a quote-unquote paramilitary group. We don't want you to... to organize, we don't want you to practice, we don't want you to drill, because you may scare people. We don't want, to be, let's be blunt, the government says we don't want the competition. We want the people dependent on us for their safety. We don't want them to be able to defend themselves. Okay, same thing with the school, right? We don't want that places where people can defend themselves. But here are 30 examples from across the country in the month of November alone, where a law-abiding citizen legally carrying a firearm stopped a crime. Again, there's 30. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go through them. You can you know, follow the link and, and you can see the ones. See if one happened or new. There's one. Uh, in fact, was it November 1st? Oh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Right. My point is. When we're talking about when we have people that are talking about restricting law-abiding citizens' access to guns, then we're not simply talking about preventing them from exercising a right. We're talking about preventing them from having the tools 
to potentially stop a crime in progress. And I don't know about you, but that's a very serious thing. Now, again, you know, most of these involve um, uh, their crimes, right? It's, uh, you know, somebody's uh, assaulting, threatening, right? But here's the other thing it does. See, it makes us dependent. You see, if you uh, I'll take the the example here, uh, I'm just doing the first one, right? Knoxville, Tennessee, November 1st, 2023. Uh, an investigation revealed that Matthew Green was actively assaulting a person in the parking garage at 2120 Clinch Avenue around 9.30 p.m. His son shot him in the leg after giving him multiple warnings to stop the assault, uh, Knoxville Police Department said. Um, now, if the son was not there and was not armed, what's the logical outcome? This Mr. Green is in the active act of assaulting a person. He could have picked up his phone and dialed 911. How long before the police show up? He'd given the man multiple warnings. This is not somebody who's going to say, oh, I'm sorry, me, so sad. I didn't mean to. I'm going to walk away. This is a man that, and with looking at an armed uh, person, warning them to stop the assault, continued the assault. Now, we don't know what the outcome would have been, but odds are it would not have been good for whoever it was Mr. Green was assaulting. You see, if the victim here was dependent on government to, for their protection, they would have had to wait until law enforcement showed up, at which point the victim could have been unconscious, severely injured, possibly killed. There's a, there, there's a reason why we need to think beyond the, uh, uh, the, the, the simple you know, bumper sticker answers. We need to say, and then what? What are the consequences? Now, again, that is just one of 30 in the month of November of 2023. If you look at FBI crime statistics, depending on, on how they're analyzed, I've seen different people analyze different. For every uh, a murder by a gun, between four and 10 crimes are stopped by a gun. Now, why such a difference? Well, some people require the gun to be discharged in order to consider it a, 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 a lawful. Uh, 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 defensive gun use. Some only require the gun to be displayed. If you if you draw your your weapon and you point it at someone and you tell them to stop and they run away, some people call that a defensive gun use. I personally would call that defensive gun use. So that's why the disparity in the numbers. But just as when we're talking about um, when you talk about attacks against different religious organizations, especially Christians lately. You're not simply talking about, well, you know, I'm not a Christian. I don't go to that church. I'm not a Roman Catholic. It's the idea of we're going to suppress your freedom of conscience, your freedom to work, to, to exercise your religion. You're also saying that we are not going to allow ideas such as, oh, I don't know, love your neighbor as yourself. We don't want them to permeate because, well, they're associated with religion. The same way we don't want guns near schools because we're afraid a bad guy with a gun 
is going to do something at the school, forgetting that it's probably much more likely that a good guy with a gun could do something helpful at the school. So when you look at the beyond the headlines and beyond the rhetoric, you look at the, the actual facts and data, very often you come up with a, a, another point of view. Now, maybe you disregard that for different reasons. Maybe you don't weight it as much. But to me, it's important to do that because rights are important. And as soon as we start letting people infringe on rights because I don't personally exercise those rights, those are the days the rights start di disappearing. And once you start losing a few, you start losing more and more and more. Or to, uh, you know, Martin Niemöller said, first they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. There was no one left to speak for me. Well, much the same way, first they came out for the Roman Catholics, and I didn't say anything because I wasn't a Roman Catholic. Then they came for the pro-life, and I didn't say anything because... I wasn't really pro-life. Then they came for the, the gun owners, and I didn't say anything because I was not a gun owner. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to defend me. Now, I want to close on what I found to be um, an interesting case. And again, it deals with rights, not so much freedom of religion, but it does deal with, with your rights. It was the case heard by the Supreme Court, oral arguments in Jason Smith versus Arizona. Now, I'm not going to get into the details, but the way th this is how I understand it. Um, Mr. Smith was uh, accused of, I guess he was pulled over. He was accused of possessing drugs. Um, he was pulled over. Uh, drugs were, a, a unknown substance was found. It was sent to a lab for testing. And the, it was tested and found, and the report said um, these are drugs. I don't remember what the drugs were. Not important to this case, to, to, my, to my discussion here. By the time Mr. Smith went to court, the, um, the technician who performed the test on the drugs was no longer employed by the company or the state or whatever, and they had a substitute come in and basically refer to the his predecessor's um, his predecessor's report. Mr. Smith filed suit claiming he was denied his right to confront his accuser because the person who said these are illegal drugs was he was not allowed to cross-examine them in court. And in fact, the person who the state brought in, the state of Arizona brought in to provide this evidence, that evidence should not be included because it was hearsay, because there was the person who actually performed the tests was not there to, to, to answer questions about the tests and how they were done and all of that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sitting back on this one. I, I haven't taken a, a firm position on this one yet, because I, I kind of see, I see Mr. Smith's point, right? If, um, uh, you know, let's say uh, your neighbor uh, says, uh, uh, you, let's say you borrow your neighbor's lawnmower and you refer, you, you don't return the lawnmower. Instead, you just get rid of it. 
and your neighbor says, hey, I uh, uh, files a complaint against you saying he stole my lawnmower. And it goes to court. By the time it goes to court, the neighbor moves away, and the new neighbor comes in and says, yeah, my, uh, my, neighbor's, my previous neighbor said that uh, you stole his, his lawnmower. Well, no, I need to confront the person that actually accused me. And again, this this gets into a couple of of um, I don't want to say niggling details, right? These are these are important things. He has a the accused has the right to confront, uh, the, to be confronted with the witnesses against him. Is it the piece of paper that says these 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 substances were drugs, or is the person that did the tests that wrote the report? How do we know that the person who wrote the report wrote it accurately? So I'm kind of leaning toward Mr. Smith because he wasn't allowed to confront the accuser for that piece of evidence. And if all you're doing is reading a report, you're not an, you were not a witness to the creation of the report, what that, that, that testimony is hearsay. But again, it, it, is, is it the, is it the, the tests that were run, and is it the output of the tests that were run that is that is the the, the accuser or the person? I just want to. Look, I'm going to, it's at the Supreme Court. They just heard oral arguments. I'm going to keep my eye on it, but it made me think as I was thinking about rights and uh, our sometimes our willingness to kind of brush them under the carpet in order to get a, a an end that we think is more important. I have to ask you. You may think, you know what, this Mr. Smith, he's probably a drug dealer or something like that, so he should be off the street. Does that mean we should violate his rights to do so? I know most people don't think of it that way, but that's what I talk about when I'm talking about the loss of freedom of religion. Even if you're not a religious person, that has an impact on your life. When we talk about infringements on on your right to keep and bear arms, your right of self-defense, you may not you may not be a gun person. That's fine. But if you're not willing to protect other people's rights, even if you don't personally exercise them, who's going to defend your rights when, when the government or, act, or other actors come after them? Before we start disregarding some of these stories, because we do not feel personally impacted by them, any infringement on people's rights impacts us or at least potentially impacts us in the future. It's one of the reasons why I say, you know, when you're reading a story, go into the story and find the details. Go back to the original sources as much as you can, because the details matter. And simply taking the quick and easy solution, the quick and easy answer, may actually do more harm than good. Uh, The fact that I'm a religious person, or people would call me a religious person, um, is not why I think protection of freedom of religion is important. Because your ability to believe what you believe is fundamental to being human. The ability to protect you, yourself and that belief is fundamental to being human. And whether that protection is by a, a, a firearm to protect your person or by a legal system designed to protect your rights. Those protections are necessary if we are to be the land of the free. And we will only have them if we are brave enough 
to stand up not just for our rights, but for our neighbor's rights. Now, hopefully, you'll come back and join us here for the Constitution Study. We're heard every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio. We're heard on the iHeartRadio Network. You can also listen on podcasts. The episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. You can listen with your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor. Share the show. Leave ratings on, on Apple pod, on, the, on the episodes, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution Study. I'm sure there are people out there that would enjoy listening to this program. You can help them find it. All the links you need are at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But as I keep reminding you, knowledge is not power until it is put in action. The information I provide you today will be of little use to you if you don't do something with it. Now, whether it's this episode or another, take those links and share them. Share them with friends, share them with family, share them with social, on social media. The best part about sharing we talk about liberty. Liberty is enjoyed. We enjoy the, the freedoms, the blessings of that liberty, whether it be our ability to worship and believe what we want or to defend ourselves. If you wish to enjoy the blessings of liberty, share them by sharing this information from sea to shining sea.